The following program is brought to you by your friends at Podcast One. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. Podcast One presents Starving for Attention with Richard Blaze, an entertaining behind-the-scenes look at the world of food, where you'll hear from anyone and everyone from the culinary industry, including restaurateurs, TV hosts, celebrity chefs, producers of your favorite cooking shows, and many more. Now, here's your host, Richard Blaze. Hey everyone, thank you for listening to Starving for Attention, our podcast that we record from our walk-in studio, uh, and we're here in San Diego. Jasmine Blaze is in the house. Hi. I'm so pumped up and excited. Good. I am. Are you? Mainly because I'm home. And it's Mother's Day. It's Mother's home. Aww. It's, first of all, happy Mother's Day. Yeah. Um, you've had a pretty good day. I've had a good day. Right? Yeah. Um, we started it by going over to a friend's house. Yeah, you tag-teamed with another dad. To- <laughs> we did. Yeah. Yes. Two. Uh, another friend of mine. Two, yes. dads, two dads cooked a brunch Tag for teamed it up. their wives. Yeah. And their kids. Was it fun? It was a lot of fun. Yeah. I and I also have to like um you know it was mainly spearheaded by Pete. Yeah. Our friend Pete, which Good. was really really amazing. That's awesome. Um, I mean, I carried most of the weight in the brunch, <laughs> but that's natural. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, but it was a lot of fun, and you've had we've just kind of been hanging out, which is like yeah. you like to do, right? Oh, I love days like this. Yeah. Well, Mother's Day is one of those like listen, everyone goes out to eat. The restaurants are just crushing it all weekend yeah. long, right? Right. Um, Packed. We've talked about this before, like on Valentine's Day. Yeah. Like hyper ripe. Uh, you know, I don't think, see, I don't think Mother's Day is quite so much of the like supplement game and the fixed menu. So I'm okay. I, I still don't really want to go out to eat on Mother's Day. Just you know, I'll leave it, it to the, right. right. I mean, cause it's also like, you know, like who's in charge of getting all the family ready to go to dinner, to dinner or Mom, brunch. Mom, usually. right. Like that's, that doesn't sound fun to me. Yeah. Not at all. So I'm good with not going, but I don't think it's quite as hype as Valentine's Day or New Year's Eve. That's really weird. I agree with you a hundred percent. Yeah. No, there's weird. like, <laughs> there's, it's, it's, it doesn't have like, you know, there's not really price gouging. And like who doesn't like French toast and strawberries and marshmallows? Well, now you're talking and, specifically yeah. about Mother's Day brunch, which right. is still one yes. of my favorite things. Like yeah. I ate two waffles today yeah. and like I usually try to be somewhat mindful stuff. of carbs. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's also, I mean, Our it kids is. kids ate like they were like pre-marathon. Yeah, there, there is the challenge. Here's the one difference. I do feel like on Valentine's Day and New Year's Eve, those, most of those people still go out to eat a lot. I mm. do think there is the challenge with Mother's Day and Father's Day sure. where sometimes it's like, we never go out oh, to I eat. I don't think anyone goes out to eat on Father's Day. Or, well, I don't know I don't why I even so. threw that yeah. out there. Yeah. What if dad <laughs> just gets like a steak from dad like did, yeah, Omaha like, Meats or grill. something like that, right? I think he right? grills himself a steak and gets some peace and quiet or something. Like, yeah. On, something, the, on the patio. He gets a tie. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe like a tie that or too. something like that. Yeah. Um, but, but there is that sort of aspect of it. It was like, well, people haven't been out to eat maybe in a while. Sure. Their and kids, taste can kids be different. that don't always eat out at restaurants. That's always interesting. Oh, that's, that's very curious. Right. So obviously with Mother's Day, there are more children in the restaurant as well. Yeah, yeah. But it was great. I was in the, you know, again, I've been traveling like mad I'm like yeah. truly exhausted I mean I'm always pretty busy but this week I've been in a bunch of different cities and like literally day to day red right. eye flights um, but I was in the restaurant yesterday and I swear I swear I took a picture I was at Juniper and Ivy and I, I took a picture with like everyone in the dining room yeah like it, was a, it was one of the first times in a while that I was like well, I'm really tired of taking pictures yeah. like I need a break from like walking around the dining room right um, mm-hmm. but that always is fun like, yeah because like, you're making people happy yeah yeah um, and that, nice. that is the one that good, good thing about Mother's Day. Uh, just got back from Chicago. This episode, of course, is with uh, Senior Rick Bayless. 
Ricardo Jefe Vélez. Jefe Extraordinaire. How do you say He's great. Was he great? I'm kind of... I was glad it came together. So like this... this You're pounding the table like Del Taldo the over ta- there. No, yeah, I, right. I barely touched it. Okay. I'm glad this podcast came together for us because otherwise oh. we didn't have anything to run this week. <laughs> First of all. Because <laughs> it's been busy. Um, but I was a little sad that like I didn't get to be there. I was sad that you weren't there. One, yeah. because Chicago is one of your favorite cities. One of my favorites. And you're like starting to grow on it. I or love vi- it. Or vice versa. You didn't always. I, yeah, I, I just... Because back, back when we were talking about leaving Atlanta, back mm-hmm. when it, that was the goal, I remember we talked about Chicago a little bit. And, and I think I was a little bit more pro than you were at the time. But, yeah, you know, I mean, I think that part of it is when you're like a New Yorker, there is that sort of second city thing. And you're like, ah, if I, why yeah. go to Chicago if, if you can go to New York? Um, yeah, but sure. you're right. It has grown on me. It's a beautiful yeah. city. It's and got, this time of year there, except you, you didn't get great weather. But typically this time of year there is just gorgeous. I still appreciate it. It was like yeah. 42 degrees and windy and yeah. gray. Yeah. And I guess they had, they, they had a couple days of spring. So everyone was right. like really upset. Yeah. Um, but I do love it because it, it really, I mean, there's no other big city feel. It's New York and Chicago. Yeah. Like sometimes you can like San, San Francisco is different though. Yeah. I, I mean, it is like, yes, it's a city. There's skyscrapers, but downtown like downtown LA is a city too. I mean, uh, but yeah, I mean, you don't I, feel I'm the full birth like, of the city because it's so sprawled. there. Right. Yeah. Like massive yeah. skyscrapers and like lots and lots of space. But I have yeah. really, I almost got a Cubs hat. That's how much I'm falling in love with Chicago. Mm-hmm. Cause I wouldn't I just, be surprised. No, but I didn't. I haven't bought a hat in a really, really long time. But yeah, he was amazing. Uh, I do wish you were there. Um, one, this podcast, like you said, came together in like the 11th hour. Right. And so like thankful to, to, to Chef Belis for making the time for us too. I mean, that was right. like, literally like two days before and he agreed to, to do it. So. Yeah. So like yeah. A, a bunch of people stood us up Troy Johnson Brian Malarkey <laughs> I don't know if they stood us up they just couldn't fit but, like, into couldn't our fit really in the last weird we were, tiny it, window it, of time that we fault. had right. um, and like everyone's everyone couldn't do it and then in the, just the last second Rick Bayless came yeah. through so that was amazing Safe. and he, he, he was like hey I gotta you know they, they scheduled out 30 minutes for, for us we did it at his headquarters right where uh, Frontera Grill is and Topo Bombo and, and is it Choco? Mm. Choco. Choco? Yeah, Choco. Choco. Yeah, that's right. And um, like, it's just, I've been there before, but he gave me the grand tour. Yeah. And I think I tweeted it when I left the recording. Like, he's just, w- everyone knows he's a great chef. Right. He's a fabulous human being. Yeah, I think a lot of people know that too. They do. Yeah. And we, and I, I talk about him a lot. I, I poke fun at like, you know, in a good spirited way, like the yoga, like, I mean, if you go to Rick Bayless's uh, Instagram, it's just like him topless doing awesome yoga poses. Um, I get mistaken for him a lot at airports, which is super, super weird. Super weird. Um, uh, so like, he's always kind of like been part of our, like the things we talk about. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, but I've never had like a hardcore sit down with him. Right. Like, we've done a bunch of television yeah, yeah. shows. Yeah. And we run it, we run into him all over the country probably, but, exactly. but yeah, not, not an in-depth conversation probably. Yet. Yeah, I, and I was blown away. Like again, that's awesome. b- because he was so nice. But also, then after even the pod, we he toured like the facilities, and this is like, you know, multiple floors, multiple restaurants, private dining rooms, you know, television studio spaces, office space, you know, a room for his cacao, you know, that's <laughs> fermenting, like that's uh, awesome. where where all the farmers' potatoes are that they bring. How do you in. ferment c- cacao? Is it just sitting there? In um, the room? You know, I mean, it's and for. It's I don't know if it's fermented or, or it's aged. So right. that's how you ferment anything, yeah, right? Yeah, of course, right. Um, but he likes a strong fermented. He was talking about for their hot chocolate. Yeah. Mm. Um, so like most people don't like it um, incredibly fermented, but for the hot chocolate, it's great. Like yeah, yeah he was you know pouring hot chocolate for me on tap. It was yeah. kind of a dream come true. Totally. Um, but I was blown in, away by the model. 
of his oh. of his business empire. Oh right. Okay. So tell me what you mean by that. Um, just that, like it's it's what you think of, like you know that that you know, I don't want to say old school because he like has kept super current and modern, but like it's a number of restaurants. There's like a television studio. He does books. He makes mm. sauces. Yeah. And it's like it just it's not necessarily although he's doing television and books it's, it doesn't seem like it's the newer model like there's not a hundred topola bombos right there's not a right. hundred topola bombos he's not you know hosting a number of television shows on no. food network he's yeah. like a pbs guy basically right yeah of course um, right he's so so smart but and like that model has changed a little bit yeah i that's mean an, it, it's an older model probably maybe i, I mean it's know. one i mean how many not too many people even get to be in that place where you right. could really um, you know, uh, you, you use that model and apply that model. Yeah. Um, but you do see a lot of chefs, I think, you know, going in different directions now and, you know, maybe it's social media. Right, finding different ways to, to make their way in the world. It's, yeah. Yeah. So it's good to see that like that model actually exists and like he's in the restaurant and like yeah. he showed up to the podcast in a chef coat. Right. Yeah. He's um, in it. Yeah. And like, oh, I'm actually, I'm trying to think maybe David Burke, but I'd have to go back and look at pictures. I think he was too. I don't remember though, but I might yeah. just be like I'm in trying my to, mind making that up. And you put might him, be making put it him up. In a I feel coat. like he was yeah. in a, a button. A button up, up maybe. maybe. I could yeah. be wrong. We'll have to go back and look. But like, I don't. Who's been? No one showed up. To, I mean, no, we're not usually in kitchens, right? Yeah, I mean, and you're not like there at five thirty on a Friday, so, right? Like, Six thirty on a Friday. Oh, even worse. Yeah. yeah. So you know, some of it is probably that, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But just truly outstanding. I'm I glad you finished really, up your week yeah. with something that was like good. Because I feel like your week was Ooh. full of like stuff you don't really enjoy doing, oh. <laughs> right? Like, so you started off your week with like cooking competitively mm. on a TV show. Like, I did. One of your probably things that you turned down left and right, unless oh, the offer is high. It makes me sound high. like uh, a non. Uh, no, a, I just a think enthusiast. you've had your full, your fill of it. It I is mean, hard to you know. com- compete. I will. It's comp- competition is one of those things. I always don't really want to do it. Right. It's always usually for some sort of charity angle or to help someone out or whatever. This one was actually cooking with a family member. I can't really yeah. get into too much of it. Right. Um, so it was really for them, to be honest, to sort of, you know, sure. have, have a great experience. Um, but then when I'm in it, yeah. then I kind of really get into it. Right. You like it. Well, that sounds familiar. With... Everything that you ever do, ever. Nice. <laughs> I thought you were not talking about like sneaker collections. No, no, no. Okay. I'm talking about how like you are kind of what we in this day and age term, a no person. So, <laughs> a no. you, you know, right. like your, your first answer is no. And then eventually True. you're like, oh, shoot, I really like this thing of whatever it is that you end up doing. Yeah. You know? And um, so I did get into it. And then like I did, I left yeah. like And you took day. a red eye. You can't stand red eyes. So we judged a couple episodes of, a sh- of, the, of the same show. And then uh, I had to take a red eye. No, there was something in between. I I had to go to L.A. to yep. open up the pop up oh, to do a dinner. Yeah, to do the, something dinner. I really don't like right. to do. To do like a a, a, a dinner <laughs> pop up series. And I, when I say I don't like to do it, I just want to be clear. They're just really hard to do. These things yeah. are just Difficult. hard to do. Well, yeah, yeah, right? I think that's probably a better. Way. And they're Difficult also uh, for me. It's I, not your easiest week. That's what right. That would say and like I always week. go hard, but like my typical thing would be okay. Maybe I'm in three cities. I do three live shows yeah. and I go hard for like two or three hours in those shows, yeah. like, you know, meet and greet. And then I do my show and then like, that's it. But like a restaurant, like a, you know, yeah. pop up, that's, that's different. T- hours, totally hours different. and just a, a different, that's a marathon. Yeah. And then c- cooking competitively is just like another sort of physical beast. So I'm exhausted. Yeah. We opened up the pop up, uh, yeah. Art Cubed Art in Cubed, LA. LA, tickets still available. You have to come up. You didn't come up. Uh, uh, well, yeah, I didn't. I, mean, I wasn't really invited. I don't think. I did invite you. Remember? And you were like, I can't make it to LA. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's no, I didn't have fair. a sitter. Yeah, that's okay. right. I didn't have anyone to watch the kids. So I can't leave them here by themselves. 
Yeah, that's true. That's so true. But we're getting here uh, close. No, we're not getting no. close to being able to no. leave them. Um, um, but that was fun. And yeah, that, that's that was fun because it's it's so the whole deal there with Art Cubed is that yeah. it's an art exhibit. Right. Greg Ito is is uh, showcasing this month there, and then there's a sort of like a dining space inside the art exhibit. So it's like a sort of live interactive. It's okay if pe- people know I, that you drink. I was drinking. Like, well, hydrate. Um, I, that's that's just a holdover from my youth. That the sound of ice yeah my sister couldn't stand that sound oh so like and you, like she'd get like violent like mad <laughs> what are you calling lexi out like that? sorry lexi Man. but you know it's true yeah lexi also gave you that awesome shirt that you're wearing right now yeah, that we'll totally. have to put up on the well we sure. might lose some fans if you do it but whatever um it's mother's day it's kind of a it's, a, it's kind of a dope dope shirt um i got distracted the pop-up sorry it's, yeah it's yeah. art Basically. Right. The food. <laughs> you mean the food is art. The food is yeah, too. Yeah. It's a fun, um, playful, you know, so meal. There, Yeah. And it's been a while since I've like, oh, well, I ate soup in cans growing up. So let's make sure. the soup and put it into a can. And then we like made, you know, special labels for the soup. And, you know, there's a bone marrow candle is a dish I've been thinking about for a while. So like, it's all very artistic. I would say the first night that I was there and there were a lot of media was there, I was a little disappointed. And again, I don't, I'm not calling out any specific person because I don't remember who they were, but like, I don't think a lot of people got it. Like, I think right. mm, like maybe. people were just like, why are you serving this soup in a can? And why does it say Supreme on it? Mm. And like, they didn't get like the Supreme reference to like the fashion uh, right. part of it. Like the soup is called u- unicorn soup, unicorn. Right, it's, right, right. I mean, like, there's just a lot of like, I don't get it. You know, why is this dish all black? One of right. my courses is all black. Was there like any service to explain There that? was. I mean, I was there also. It? No, and I'm saying like I was it? there oh. talking oh. to these people. Oh, and like huh. even as I was explaining it, it was just sort of like. Yeah, interesting. So, uh, but I do think so, uh, a lot of people are appreciating it. And you got to go just to check out Greg's work. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Really, really yeah, nice. Yeah, I'd like lot, to get up Neons there. and lot, lots of really, really cool things. And then I took a red eye from LA to Chicago. Oh, yeah. Yuck. And that was kind of just gross for the travel part of it and landed and then had to give two... Uh, speeches slash presentations right. for FAIR, yeah. um, f- uh, F-A- food allergy F-A-R-E. research uh, mm-hmm. educators. Yeah. Uh, that was fascinating. I don't want to get too serious about this, but like even as a chef and as a dad of a kid who has a peanut allergy, mm-hmm. I was blown away w- by how much I learned about food allergies, sure. how serious they are. You know, Obviously, in restaurants, we're professional about it. We take care of everyone, but uh, it gave me a whole new perspective yeah. on taking care of people um, with allergies and also our, yeah, our kids' important. allergy yeah. as well. Lots of uh, exciting things, but now we're back, and that's why I started the podcast so enthusiastic. I'm still enthusiastic. Yeah. Are you? To be back? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and well, you're I, leaving again tonight. But oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It starts again. The yeah. cycle starts again. But right. I'm taking the latest flight I know, for thanks. you. I'm flying out that. at 10 o'clock, which is crazy. Super surprising. Yeah. Well, it's Mother's Day. I know. It was very nice. Wow. Uh, Jasmine, you know this. Portland is an awesome place to visit. Uh, and everyone should think about it for our next vacation. And uh, we need to think about it for our next uh, trip. Don't you think? Yeah. Portland has long been known as the farm-to-table dining epicenter innovative food carts acclaimed craft beer stellar coffee and more it's not hard to eat local in portland and it's harder still to resist their acclaimed restaurants and staggering array of those awesome food carts which i still we should just go shoot that little like sizzle reel of that show that Mm, i wanted to do did we have a name for it cartopia oh i think cartopia sounds really good portland's selection of almost 600 food carts has drawn global acclaim most carts are grounded in pods all around town making it easy to sample several at a time some of the most popular portland food carts you might uh think about are portland mercado it's a dining destination it's also the hub of latino culture and local entrepreneurship and of course 
Nongs. Did you just throw out the little uh, tequila? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nongs with downtown as well as a brick and mortar spot in the southeast. This Thai stand has perfected its only dish by boiling whole chickens in broth, sauteing the rice, and mixing it all together with a special sauce, then serving the meal in a butcher block wrap. Nongs also has two brick and mortar locations. Listen, everyone, visit travelportland.com to start planning your trip because you can in Portland, and we should like soon in Portland. Awesome. Well, I think you'll like this too for Mother's Day. Rick Bayless. Jeff, thank you so much for hanging out with us. My pleasure. Where, where, where are you coming from? Because um, I'm coming from our other restaurant in the West Loop over at 900 West Randolph. Nice. And it's, kind of, it's nice to see. It's a Friday uh, early evening and you're yes. in your chef coat. Yes. And you drove across town in your chef coat. Well, yeah, because I just go from one kitchen to another, so that's I got to come appropriately dressed. That's amazing. Like, have you ever, like, for me, probably not because you're, like, celebrated, but, like, have you ever been caught, like, in your chef coat somewhere else, like, where they sell food and someone asks you where something is in an aisle? <laughs> no, I always wear a T-shirt or something underneath my chef coat so that I can take it off before I run into a grocery store or that's something true. like that because that would be weird. It happens to me all the time. I've had to learn that, too. But have you, do you, um, have you ever had to pump gas? These are just weird questions about traveling in a chef coat right now, but yes. have you ever had to pump gas in a chef coat? I have. And <laughs> then people yell at me and stuff like that because oh, when you see me in my chef coat, you really know that i that's the right person. You're not making any That's true. It's like, there. wait, is that, wait, it's Rick yeah. Bayless? Yeah, yeah that's because he's Rick, in a chef yeah, coat. Exactly. I think I've told you this before that for some reason, I think it's just because our last names are phonetically similar right. <laughs> that people will always think that I'm you sometimes mm-hmm, yeah. and I just go with it. I just want to let you know that. <laughs> and it's usually at TSA where they're looking at my ID. So and, is that true? Yes. It's so true. I mean, I know Richard Rick Bayless yeah, plays yeah, like yeah, there is like yeah. a phonetic sort right, of thing. Exactly. But I'm always like shocked that like someone's looking at my ID. And well, like, no. I, you know, there's a very, very famous restaurateur in Chicago named Rich Melman. Yes, of course. Okay. So, um, now sometimes people confuse me for Rich Melman because they hear my name and in their mind somehow it's just, I, that's, who I am and occasionally I will go to a table and someone will get up and say oh I want everybody here to at the table to meet Rich Melman and I just go with that too you have to right and then you're like we're opening up our 1000th and 10th restaurant right because they they, they open up they have like so many restaurants well the crazy thing is that we now this was not the case when we moved into this neighborhood where we are now 31 years ago but um, now it's just what we call Lettuceville because it's all <laughs> let us entertain you restaurants and within a one if you use frontera as the center of the circle within one block there right. are 13 let us entertain you restaurants wow so like 13, but you've been here for a while 31 like years. you've held this corner for a while right we have yes how long have you been here 31 years okay and then uh we uh, 31 for frontera 29 for topolo <sighs> And then uh, the little baby on the corner here is seven. The little baby who's seven. Yeah, who's seven. seven years old. Um, so Lettuceville has sort of grown up around you, I it guess. It certainly it has. Well, listen, thank you so much for t- hanging out with us. Usually yeah. in our podcast, we, uh, we go sort of long and deep, but because your, your time is limited and, and we called you last second, we're just going to uh, jump into what would be the second half of our podcast, okay. which is usually just kind of some fun games. Are you, are you down to play? Game? <laughs> I'm not much of a <laughs> game player, but I'm game for anything. Nice. There you go. Let's well, they're more just way. like thoughts. So this one, well, you know, we have different iterations of it. This one is going to be because, of course, you're Rick Bayless. This is going to be Bayless or more. 
okay. is the name of the game. Uh-huh. So we're just going to uh, <laughs> rattle off a couple of things, and you're just going <laughs> to let me know if, you, if those sort of things that you'd want more of or less of okay. in the world, your life, however Perfect. you want to talk like about. That. Okay, real, okay. real simple. Okay. Uh-huh. So this one is, uh, I'm curious about this one. Tex-Mex food. What is Rick Bay? More or, or more? Bay less or more? Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say less because even Tex-Mex food has started to really incorporate a lot of the variety that you find in Mexico now. Okay. So that Tex-Mex almost sort of doesn't exist in its pure form anymore. Ooh. Every time I go to Texas, where's the, which is the place you would look for sure. Tex-Mex food, um, I'm just amazed that, you know, when I was a kid growing up, there was in the Tex-Mex restaurants in Texas and Oklahoma, you didn't get mole on the menu. But now a whole lot of the Tex-Mex restaurants have added mole to it right and they're just adding a lot of variety so i will say if we're talking about really old-fashioned classic tex-mex probably less well i'm curious then we'll break that down to me then that what's because i was just in san antonio i would yep. consider that to be pretty classic classic tex-mex, tex-mex yeah puffy well, tacos and the sort yeah, or? well but puffy tacos is a fairly recent invention there, there was not anything like that when i was growing up at all okay so then yeah. what's a cla- the classic tex-mex what would be like a well a classic i'll tell you, ingredient 19, or dish? 1963 <laughs> Yes, Classic yes. Tex-Mex in um, basically the change like El Chorito and um, that were through Oklahoma and Texas. Um, but you had combination plates. You could get a tamale. You could get a cheese enchilada, a beef enchilada, mm. a tostada on the side of the plate. Um, I'm, I'm creating this with my hands in front of me. Yes, as and I'm getting hungry. <laughs> even yes. You talking about um, even just Tex-Mex. But we couldn't. Uh, there, there occasionally would be a special of a chili relleno um, uh, special dish that they would do um there was very few there was um if you went to california it was they, they would have that sopa de albondigas but only rarely did we see it in the texas oklahoma area that i grew up in um it was pretty simple straightforward stuff uh, a fried taco it wasn't necessarily the u-shaped shell that taco bell made so famous right but it was one where you put the meat on the inside of the soft tortilla and then you shallow fried it until it was crispy be on both sides nice so so one of the telltale signs then of something that's not really Tex-Mex is when there's mole on the menu well yes because I didn't ever see that growing up I'd never even heard the word till I went to Mexico wow there you go okay so I'm following up on the Tex-Mex you want uh, less of that how about Bobby Flay <laughs> our, our, Dude, our friend, you both, know I know him, right? <laughs> of course, we both know him. But I feel like I had to. Like, I'm, you're so uh, like authentic, and like Bobby Flay is kind of known for. Yeah, but food. he, but he, no, he's known for modern Southwestern food. That's true. Which That's was true. really created back in the late '80s and '90s, and um, it was very well known for an incredible use of squirt bottles. I was gonna say that. And, so the telltale sign of yes. uh, Southwestern food is cilantro oil in a squeeze bottle. Oh man, all over the top of it. Aioli with this or aioli with that, you know, all those sorts of things. And then this chopped red, yellow, and green bell pepper all done small little brunoise, you know, and then sprinkle it like confetti. confetti of uh, tricolored peppers. Yes, well I can say this out loud because I know Bobby Flay doesn't (laughs) do any of that stuff anymore. So, um, more Bobby Flay because he's like, he's really graduated from it. 
That's true. I have to. I have to agree. And like, so the the follow up to that then is squeeze bottles, <laughs> more or less squeeze bottles. I, you know, if we burned all squeeze bottles right now, it wouldn't be too soon. Wow! Okay? Wow! You have so some strong just, feelings on squeeze I, bottles. I hate them. So the, I just came from our. our we have a little tuckety and a brewery mm-hmm. over in the West Loop, and one of the cooks back there had put some. I don't. It was a cilantro crema or something like that in a squeeze bottle. And he was doing that. Oh, I said, this food looks like it's from 1987. What are you guys doing? Nice. And they were like making these little designs over the top. I said, get it out <laughs> of those he's, squirt he's bottles. He's doing the old school Bobby Flay drizzle. <laughs> he was. That's what he's doing. And um, I couldn't stand it. Unbelievable. Um, okay, so this one is going to get into, uh, well, no, we'll follow up on the, on the sort of uh, the mole thing. Mole cooked on competition shows. Uh, much less of that unless you have a three to four hour window. Exactly. Right. So this is where you you're getting, I can see you're getting serious now because this is like, well, your, this is my day. territory. Right, exactly. Okay? And it's one of my pet peeves when somebody tells me, oh, I can make a really quick mole. All I have to do is scoop some peanut butter into a pan and add some chili powder to it and then a squeeze of Hershey syrup and I've got some Ooh. mole. Then I I don't even have words for you. I want you out of my sight. Yes. But you know, I have to say, cooking mole on a lot of the competition shows is kind of like that. It's it's tough. Like just because you, I mean, what from my experience, just because you put chocolate in it. Oh, of course. Doesn't yes. doesn't right, make right, it a mole. Right, and there's right. so many different moles. And like you so said, you, many different you moles. need the one thing that you don't usually have in competition is time. <laughs> time. <laughs> and is, it's one of those dishes that's only good with time. Got it. What about competition shows in general? Bay less or more? I'm going to say less. And okay, don't just because I'm here. I hope. Yeah, I'm less. Go like, there. You go. Nice. <laughs> yeah, you, you did it because I was here. <laughs> Maybe less. So. No, um, I, I, I don't know. I'm not learning anything from them. I'm not seeing anything new. Um, it becomes, in fact, the editing of them seems to be less and less about the uh, cooking part of it and just about the drama that they're creating. And a lot of times, as you know, mm-hmm. um, the drama is created. It's not even necessarily a natural drama there. So it's like watching the Kardashians or something like that. You know, it's all exactly. Scripted. It works out well for the Kardashians. It does. <laughs> and, but it doesn't work out well usually for the now thousands and thousands of cooks I know. who have to compete on these shows. Well, and I mean, the other I'm, thing is that I think it gives a lot of the cooks false hope that, oh, you know, they've worked in a restaurant for a year and a half for two years and now they're going to be famous and have their own cooking show it doesn't happen how do you now when you have those people that come through your system and i know that Um, you're not doing sort of the entry-level uh interviews but when someone is oh i was on chopped i I was a semi-finalist on chopped (laughs) i just laugh (laughs) there there you go which also means you didn't win chopped not that not that really no not that 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 it doesn't matter to me i mean it's it tells me that you have a lot of self-confidence right and so you know that could be that could be a decent thing i once uh had an assistant that uh was a finalist on the bachelor oh my gosh and that didn't really stand her in good stead as my assistant so that's all i could say nice we you know we brought on our podcast uh, Katie Smith, who I guess was Katie oh, Lawrence. Oh, Katie, she was the one I was going to point out. She was my assistant, my culinary assistant. Yes. And she, well, she and I are both theater people. And you so I, she it. just, she was so fun to work with and she was so good at what she did. And when she finally decided to take this position in California back to where her family was, which is where she really wanted to be, 
We all just died because we love working with her. And now she's really blossomed because she has the right background to get out in front of a crowd and do things. And she's very confident. She's a great performer. And she knows a lot about food. That's kind of interesting that a, a sort of sidebar. One, she is. She's great. She was all of those things. And she also, she was on the podcast before you were. So like she's looking, <laughs> look at what you've taught her. Like she's out there doing her thing. Hey, remember the joy and spirit of Peter Pan? Well, there's a place where you don't have to grow up, even though the world tells you to. That place is Walt Disney World. It's tough being an adult, but at Walt Disney World, you can put the adulting on pause and let everyday stresses of life disappear. There's so much cool stuff you can do at Walt Disney World after hours, including a crawl of some of the best in-park drinking options. If the world tells you to grow up at Disney World, you don't have to. WDW is the perfect escape for millennials. That must be why we like to go there, right, Jasmine? Yes. Uh, There's an entirely new way to experience it as an adult without kids, from cool drinking options, did you know that, to the excitement of after-hour events. Find your happy place here. And the dining options are out of this world amazing, like Hollywood's brand Brown Derby, step into the golden age of Hollywood at this warm wood paneled restaurant serving contemporary American cuisine. Do you think they have like a roasted garlic spread? Mm. I'm feeling like they have something, like, something so. like that. Cream spinach. There's so many cool attractions and characters that bring your childhood to life and new experiences that you can appreciate as an adult. Relive the nostalgia of Disney or create some new memories at Walt Disney World. And we're going soon. And you should too. Hey, everyone, if you like this show, then step into Heather Dubrow's world every Friday at Podcast One. Heather's talking to some fabulous guests like Queer Eyes, Karamo Brown, YouTube's Mamrie Hart, and Grace Helbig, and so, so many more. You don't want to miss a second of it. Check out Heather Dubrow's world at Podcast One and Apple Podcasts. Also, hey, remember to rate and review that show because it's pretty good. And review ours, too. Now back to Starving for Attention with Richard Blaze. Um, you talked about theater. Yeah. Um, how does your interest in theater? I know that your daughter, right, is is, yeah. is big into theater, and, and my wife as well. Right. So where are the, where are some of the similarities um, between uh, performance and uh, you know being a, a when a, you're a, on TV, you're performing, right? That it plain and simple, right? Okay. If you don't understand what it means to perform, mm-hmm. how to talk to people, how to use your voice, then you are not going to come across well at all. So you have to have some way of presenting. Now, in the restaurant world, we oftentimes do present because we get our whole staffs together, and you have to have a booming voice when you're on the line expediting. You have to have a booming voice. I always tell my sous chefs when we're, when somebody is being promoted from being a line. Coach, to a sous chef a lot of it has to do with the quality of their voice and if they can't command the presence and the attention of all of their line cooks they'll never make it because the a line cook is looking for the the guide person okay and so you don't want to have to think about what the person next to you is doing or what the overall scope of the dining room is like that's for your expediting chef to keep in his or her mind so you've got to have that voice it sounds decisive and clear you learn that if you come up through theater you learn how to have sure now is that um is let's say the line is the line in a kitchen right so when you go from cook to sous chef is that sort of like the curtain then 
in theater where like maybe like if you're cooking you're maybe behind the scenes and you're doing right. some of the stuff that a crew would on a, on a, on a yes, performance yes exactly, exactly but then when and you're on when you're expediting then you're on stage and then when you're in the dining room right you're really on stage you're really right? that's on the curtain stage. is opened and you're no, like no and, and I actually teach classes here to all of our service staff in how to hold themselves how to use their voice how to train their voice because um, most of the servers don't have that and if you go to the, the table and you're talking like this to some people it's like that you you can't sell them anything. You right. can't create the experience that's going to engage them in the right way to have the full experience that we're doing. If you if you stand with your hands crossed and your shoulders slumped over, then you're not presenting confidence to your tables. So there's a lot that theater can teach the restaurant business. But, you know, to tell you the truth, the restaurant business and the theater really go hand in hand because we have a curtain time every every day. 100%. We know exactly what, what we have to have in place and you don't miss that cue. You, you know, the curtain rises at 5.30 or whatever time your place starts taking its first reservations and then you're on full bore until the very end of it, just like in a production. Exactly. You don't just stop in the middle and go, it's like, oh, I'd like to take a rest now. You exactly. know, Exactly. It's like, no, you're going. You know what we don't have, though, that we should figure this out? Or maybe we do, and because you're, you're smarter than me. We don't have the, uh, the final bow, though. Like, that's what we need. That's what, that's what we need. We it's don't a get really the, hard thing. the end and of the night one, bow. It's one of the reasons that all the kitchens in my restaurants are open to, to view the diners. Because I can't stand kitchens that can't see what's going on in the dining room. And even if it's just a nice glimpse of it... You are reminded as a cook all night long that what you are doing is bringing joy to those people. Mm -hmm. Just like, I mean, when you're on stage, the lights are on you and you can't see the audience hardly at all. You might see a few people in the front row, but you're not making eye contact with them in a typical production. But you can hear them laugh. You can, you can hear applause. You can stuff like that. So I want my cooks to be able to see into the dining room and at least get a little bit of that, that kind of, of response from the guests, I guess. And then um, we have, uh, because our kitchens are open, um, the guests can come back and they can offer their appreciation. And I, I'm sure that you're just like me, that whenever you go to a restaurant mm-hmm. and you have a really nice meal, or even if you don't have it necessarily, right? You go back and you say thank you to the cooks because, you know, we're cooks. We know how hard it is to produce the food that they're producing and get it on the table at the right amount of time. And so for me, it's really important to keep the kitchen accessible to the guests so that they can come back and yeah, say thank you. Yeah, I mean, you. where you're, I mean, you preach. I mean, you're saying the same thing. I, I, I had a talk this morning. It, it is, although from the surface, it looks like, oh, it's for the guest to see what's happening in the kitchen. For me, it's really the kitchen oh. to see what's happening in the dining room, right? <laughs> it certainly because then is. you can appreciate the fact. And, and it is exactly well, like theater. It might be the same script every night. It's yeah. the same menu every night. But oh, each night has its own little nuance no, to it. It changes more in the restaurant than it does in the theater. That's I true. mean, you, you may do a run of six or eight weeks of one production, then be off for a little while and come back and do it. But if you're in one of those long-running shows like Hamilton or something right. like that, it is exact. One of my friends is playing Hamilton here in Chicago, and it is the exact same 
same script without one little change. And he's been doing it for two years now. So it's like, you know, that I don't know if I could do that. You know, I've been in a number of productions, even recently, mm-hmm. where we've run for eight weeks. And I, I'll say that even at the, by the end of that eighth week, I'm sort of ready to like, let's change it up because we change our menus in our restaurants every four weeks. Sure. Just so that we can add something new and stay seasonal and right so now. Forth. But don't you feel like in that in the in the theater world or the film world that the writers and the directors though are so they they they're they're not even like chefs. They don't want to mess around with don't, their dialogue. No, right? they like, don't. They, no, don't, you got to change it. No changes. Every word, every enunciation. It's all got to be exactly the same thing. But like in the restaurant, you, if your cooks want to improv a little bit, you're yeah. probably more open to completely at least hearing them. Out, completely. Right? Well, we do all of our development work here in groups, so everybody is anyone can offer a suggestion. It's all of the sous chefs and chef de cuisines for us Mm -hmm. that get together once a week and we create all the menus. But then if a line cook, well, it's not uncommon at all for a line cook to say, oh, I got it. I got an idea for a new dish. And so then that person will come to our creative meeting so that he he or she can like, so if they have an idea, it's an automatic invite. It's an automatic invite to do it. Yeah. That's amazing. Okay. So I have a confession to make now since I was not expecting to go down this sort of theater road with you. (laughs) I want to write, a scripted cooking theater show. Yeah. I want to do a, a scripted competition show. Uh, oh, well, I, yeah, I, I've done, <laughs> I, I wrote a piece called Casca Bell that we've done twice here in Chicago. Right. And that really focused on the story of a meal and how transformative a meal could be. Right. And we told the story with musicians with singers, with circus performers, and with actors. And so it was like a a really magical kind of thing. But the audience ate the meal along with the actors. So we had it set in a boarding house. And so all of the guests... Well, you don't call them that in the theater. All of the audience right. sat as, as guests at boarding house tables, and mm-hmm. we seated 190. And it was crazy because we had a preset first course that was covered up. And then at one point in the show, um, the audience was addressed directly by the maitre d' who told them to unwrap the package. And then they ate that part. part. And then the main course came. There were all kinds of snacks that came as people were coming in. So they got... They got and everything looked like something that it was not supposed to be. So it was like there was one thing that was just totally black and then you ate it and it was gorgeous flavor. And you think, whoa, what was that? So we we played with the audience as they were coming in and we gave them all these. So they're eating during the performance. Well, no, they ate first um, as they were coming in before the show started. Right. And then they ate and they were instructed to eat together by the maitre d' for the first course after they unwrapped it. And then um, at one point in the the show, the entree is served um, by the lead character. Right. Is served to the actors that are in this. And almost magically, it appears on the table of all of 190 oh people. First that of all, was, the logistics of that have to that be That was hard. Right. We, we, we had three minutes. We allowed ourselves three minutes to get all 190 hot dishes on the so table. So now there's servers walking through the, the, yes, the theater. Yes, at, at that moment, there had just been this like really major thing that had happened in the script. Right. And everyone was devastated, and the actors are all devastated, and they just start wandering off. And then all this food appears for the audience. And so it's sort of like intermission. 
nothing is happening on the stage right and all the guests are eating this food oh, that's brilliant and the the actors have already taken a few bites and then they don't know what's going to happen next and they all start wandering off and so it's like a crazy moment and it's just quiet in the theater and the guests i mean the audience yes. all eats all of their food at that moment that's so genius it was really fun and then all of a sudden sort of what we would call like a soft open mm-hmm. they the the actors uh, one at a time wander back on the stage and more magic starts happening and then the story takes up again but by that point we've cleared all of the well place. i love how you fold that in because one of the things even for what, if i'm just doing a presentation yeah. and there's food in play yeah. for the audience it's always really distracting super distracting right i can't stand that i i am i hate it <laughs> No, and people will say, "Oh, do you want us just to go ahead and serve your food during the your your demonstration or your your discussion of it?" And I said, "Absolutely not, right? Because all they're going to do is sit there and pass plates around and taste and you think, and they'll never silverware hear everywhere, and like everything. you can't focus, and you're then then you're going to be focusing on the one person in the back that you see that's not paying that's attention. Not, yeah, exactly. Just, so I love I'm how you work that into sort of like the intermission thing. It was that's hard. Brilliant. It was hard to do it, but well, we were really pleased with the way it came out. Amazing. So maybe then I have to uh, bring you." on as a consultant when I write okay. my script because I'm thinking of more like Top Chef meets Glee like Top Chef the oh, musical sort of thing I think would, we can do that that you would know? be like, super hilarious there was a group I forget where they were from but I saw them at Disney and they did um, uh, I don't remember I know they did music I don't know if they were singing but they did uh, they did a lot of uh, juggling of things it was more like circus meets Top Chef okay and there you go and it was super high high energy and really fun and they were juggling all kinds of crazy fun things but it was to really great music and I think somebody was singing in it anyway so I, I, it would be great to do that uh, so uh, back to the game more uh, Bay Less or More okay so uh, sort of in the same framework of theater then what about like the uh, the, the, the chef presentation at a festival, you know, where, where we're just talking about where you're on stage, more, more or less of, of that. Oh, I love it because it's an opportunity to talk to people in a way that I rarely get a chance to talk to them. And I like some, some interaction with the audience and I love to teach. So I would say um, not necessarily more or less because there's almost too many of these food festivals all over the, the country now. Too many. Too okay. many because you can just, you, every little town wants to do their food festival and they want to invite all the same people that are going to all the rest of the food festivals because they're not, their names right, and sure. they're going to bring people in. But, um, and so I, I get a little tired of the proliferation of the food festivals, but I like doing a real presentation at them. I like to be in front of an audience, um, as you can, you can already tell that. Yes, yeah, I like course. to be in front of the audience, and I love to teach. Nice. So I'll say more. I, I love it as well. I feel like there are a lot of chefs, though, obviously, like you're into it, I'm into it, that don't, they just, they, they, they don't go for it. You know, yeah. like you're, it is something that's different than just cooking a restaurant. And oh, like completely. I, and I feel like it probably serves me pretty well. That like, you can't just go up there and flip a crab cake for 30 minutes. No. And like, there's so much well, and you gotta be energy able, has you, to be. You really different. have to be trained or natural at being able to really talk nonstop all the time that you're cooking. And you've got to be able to, like, I took improv lessons about maybe, uh, it's got to be close to 10 years ago now because I wanted to learn how to play with an audience more. And so I went over here to second city and I took classes at second city 
and it was just such a revelation to me about how, you know, that basic thing that they say, it's yes and. Yes. So no matter what somebody says to you that you can just say, oh, yeah, that's exactly right. And, and, the, and, and it's the and in right. that that will lead you on to the cool stuff. And to be able to, no matter what somebody throws at you, to work it into whatever it is that you're doing. And sometimes I kind of improv with myself when I'm in front of a a group because something crazy will happen that I didn't expect. Mm -hmm. And then it becomes the thing instead of saying, Oh gosh, I, that wasn't supposed to happen or whatever. No, whatever's there is what you work with. So even if it's like super odd or it's like a disaster in front of you, then that becomes the show. And so I loved doing improv because it taught me how to just say yes to everything. A hundred percent. They've asked me to come on and do some like, like open mic stuff with them or improv sets. I I should do it. Right. Oh yeah. I do. I, I, I have actually done it a lot over at IO, which is our other one, uh, sure. the Improv Olympics here, and uh, where you tell a story, and then the improv group works off of that story. And I've done those a, a few times, and because I have some improv background, they usually invite me to be a, one of the people playing in the set with them. And so that's always been loads of fun. Uh, and then I just did one over at, at Second City here the other day, and that was just fun. I was just happened to be an audience member, and so uh, they at the end of that the one of their sets, they said, "Oh, you want to come up and tell a story, and then we'll improv on your story." And I had a lot of fun. I, it was a group I hadn't worked well, with. They know before. it's you though, right? They know like oh okay, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah 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 yeah. And they just came and said to me, would you, would you tell a story? And so I always kind of have a few stories at my sleeve that make fun things for them to improv on. Got it. So. Now are these, uh, was it, was it a cooking story? I'm just curious what the, what the story was. Um, no, all- that one, <laughs> that one was, um, I had a pet monkey when I was growing up. You did. And this, it, it makes some really great stories <laughs> for people to improv off. Of. What did the pet monkey eat? Uh, it ate monkey chow from Purina. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> is, is, that's not a th- is it out of thing? That monkey? Ch- there is. Oh, my gosh. Okay. <laughs> it's sad, but true. There you go. Okay. So now we're going to, uh, a quick little segue, uh, more or less, and I'm hoping that I do my, my, uh, I, I, I do my wife uh, good service here. Supta Kermasana. Am I pronouncing that right? It's, mm. It is a, the 21st pose in Ashtanga. Are you, you're a yogi. Yeah, but I don't do Ashtanga. So oh, okay. Can you, can there you, you, you have it written yeah. down? Yeah. Uh, it's Supta. S-U-P-T-A. But what's the second one? Kurmasana. It's, it's sort of this like a seated, super foldy sort of pose. That oh, yeah, yeah. Be. Oh, less. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> when I looked at it, okay. I was like very, okay. much, much less. Um, the, 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 <laughs> no, that's not, that's not one of my favorites. Yoga in general, though, yeah. I'm going to assume you're gonna, your answer would be more? Um, well, I do a lot, so I, I don't need to do any more than what I'm doing, but I, I think it's really good for people in the restaurant business because it depends on how you look at it. Some people look at yoga just as a way to stretch and chill out. Right. I think that that's not a good way to look mm. at it. I actually think that yoga is should be a dynamic thing, and it should be mostly about breathing. So if you do any kind of vinyasa style where you're moving all the time, um, and it's uh, eat one breath, one movement, 
man, that just clears your head. And it really does. The very simplest part of yoga is these Surya Namaskars, which are this, the one breath, one movement. Mm-hmm. And you go from one position to another position. And they're very simple. Like anyone could do them. Right. And to me, that's the foundation of my practice. Even though I can do all kinds of crazy things, if I don't do just a whole bunch of repetition of Surya Namaskars... I'm not doing yoga. I, I need to get back into it. My wife's uh, a yogi. Um, does she do Ashtanga? She does. Yeah. yeah. It's really, um, that's really vigorous. And somebody for, of my age can get hurt yourself in it fairly easily. So um, that's one of the reasons that I don't do that. It's a very vigorous practice. It's Sometimes uh, practice. when I'm bored, I just troll like some of your yoga Okay. <laughs> uh, pictures like you're i mean you're doing like inversions though like you're doing pretty oh i'm a stuff, i'm right? a huge inversion junkie right. I'll, I'll say handstands are my thing okay? and then that's that's also supposed to be something that really like cl- it clear- really clears your head yes. i'll tell you that i can hold a handstand for about a minute and a half wow. okay but that's not long enough for me to be upside down so if like a headstand say or right. something like that i can hold a headstand for 10 minutes and i'll tell you that the headstand for 10 minutes will really really clear your mind that is insane it just uh, it re- completely changes the way that the blood runs through your your body and it gives a lot more blood to your head and to me it's i great. need to do more of it i think you're inspiring me i'll do some sun salutations when i get yes. back to the hotel um Hot yoga, more I or less. I love it. I love it. And I, I, I have an apartment in Mexico City, and it's near a Bikram studio, and it's the closest one there. And I wouldn't say that I'm a big Bikram guy, right. but I, that's the place I practice when I'm in Mexico City, and sure. I love it. Um, and then uh, there's a chain of places uh, here called Core Power. They're kind of around the country. Sure. And I... I I've had some really good teachers there. You have to kind of be careful and um, find a good teacher at them. But, but I, I, like it. I like doing hot yoga, too. I like to do a little bit of everything. I do some of that really long hold Iyengar stuff, too. Mm-hmm. That's great for me. Um, I just like to keep it a slightly varied. I don't think that one track of yoga has the truth. Oh, I love that. I, love that. I like the idea. I guess it's because like, I wrestled in high school, too. Like, I like this idea of, like, or I'm a big runner. I'm a marathoner. So like, just the more sweat, the better. I know it's like uh-huh. a horrible thing, but... Like, I like the idea of that. What about goat yoga? More or less. Have you um, heard about this thing? N- no, please. Ex- uh, should I okay. know about goat yoga? Oh, because oh my God. I don't This is amazing because okay. I'm, I'm going to set you off on a Instagram slash YouTube search tonight. Okay. But basically, and um, forgive me if I'm wrong, but it's, it's yoga where there are goats hanging out during sort of the practice. Uh-huh. And then these goats are walking <laughs> over people as they're doing poses. And I, we'll have to do a deeper search on it. But I this w- is a hot, hot thing right now that's <laughs> happening. Goat yoga. Goat yoga. Okay. So we're going to say we'll do less of it I just don't until think we that learn more Any about. goats that I know are house trained, so this <laughs> might get a little messy. Yeah. I, I, I'm also going to guess maybe it's outside, just to be safe. Uh, I, I would think guess most so. of these are outside. Yes. Uh, airport restaurants. Because um, you have the best one in the world. Well, you're very kind to say that. I'm very proud of it. And um, I think airport need to have better food the most of the people that are doing the providing of food in airports have completely misjudged the people that are traveling 
hundred percent. Although it's, it's gotten better, right? It I has mean, gotten it was a lot just, better. I mean, again, no offense to these brands, but you know, ten years ago it was only it was, Dunkin' Donuts and Sparrow's horrible, Pizza, right? Hor- horrible. And horrible. now at least there are some chefs who are getting in the game, even exactly. if it's lending their name. It's it's yeah, but you, you have more gotta, than one now, right? At, even at O'Hare, you have we more. have three at O'Hare. Three. Okay. Yeah, it's the only airport that we're in right now, but we're going to be expanding it to some other airports. We have it. We have it down now, so I think we're ready for some change. Oh, so. it's so good. I walk usually like across terminals every time I'm there. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> I don't get a chance to be in your. Yeah. That's it's where I eat most of your food. Quite yeah. honestly, is well, at the airport. It kind of works. What about um, meals on airplanes? Like first class meals on airplanes. Well, most of them um, aren't very. It's like like what we used to get in coach, and now that's what they're serving in first class. <laughs> right. So um, I. I actually usually go to my place and buy some food and eat that instead. And just of bring it up. So you're yeah. not you're you're just passing on on the meals when you're yeah. If, if, I mean, if, if you're flying commercial, if it's yeah, if it's a breakfast and you know they have some I don't know honey nut Cheerios and some yogurt, I'll eat. that. So you're not like me. Fine. You're not you're not doing the uh, the 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 omelet on the on the airplane. You're just not. Um, <laughs> no, I, I always do the that. omelet. It's embarrassing. No chefs that I've brought on the podcast uh, eat, eat the food on airlines, but I, I go for. I don't eat the meat. So do I get a little bit of credit for that? Like, yeah, I guess. I don't know. And sometimes I'm I might have like a real truffle with it. me and I'll shave yeah. that over oh, some nice. egg whites. Yeah. That's I'm that just, guy. You're, you're just showing off. Um, cooking with insects. You know, I think it's a really hard thing. Um, first of all, in countries that eat insects, it's part of the traditional cuisine. It's not weird. Right. So when we try to bring that into the U.S., you can't bring the culture with you. You can mm. say, oh, this is a big deal in these other countries. But everybody just goes, oh, my God, I it, just ate a cricket. You know, and it becomes like shock that. And, 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 yeah, and a fear factor and, sort and of thing. They, they are still, there's no respect to the culture for which that is a part of their cuisine. And so I can just say that for 30 years we had no insects in our restaurant because I thought that's all people are going to talk about. Right. And I, we have really good food and the cuisine of Mexico is really amazing. You don't have to reduce it to, oh, they eat bugs there. You know, right. that's just, that's disrespectful to the culture and the cuisine. So uh, we, we do use some like the worm salt and stuff like that where you don't see it and you can just talk about it and just kind of let it go at that. But I'm kind of, I don't think U.S. is ready for eating insects. So I'm just not and I don't think no matter what you tell me, so and so is promoting insects. Right, people still think it's super weird here. Absolutely. I mean, if you're grinding it up into some sort of yeah. like uh, alternative protein burger or something, I guess that right. would be probably the first uh, mainstream that, application of it. I guess so. All but that it, being said, what's your too. what is your favorite? Um, like, I mean, we filmed Top Chef in San Miguel de Allende once, and uh-huh. it was uh, ant larvae or ant caviar, which was well. Like, part of the challenge what's your favorite that insect? one that's escamoles and yeah. that one is my favorite by far right I, I mean i'll go way out of my way to eat that wow it tastes like sweetbreads i mean and it's a little white thing so it even looks like sweetbreads sweet but a little tiny nutty mini. sort of it's like so good and the all the top chefs in mexico city work with that they don't all have crickets on their menu or sure. or toasted larvae of, that you find in the maguey plants but they all have escamoles on their menu because that stuff is just amazing yeah it's believe. amazing to me again i'm not a big sort of insect guy either although i have a pop-up in la right now that does have ants on a menu but um there's flavor there 
Yeah. That, I mean, there's like, you know, the ants taste like citrus. And like, once yeah. you realize it, it took me a trip to Thailand. You know, I only well, knew. They eat a lot of bugs. Right. And I was like, what's yeah. that? Oh, it's, it's dried up crickets that goes yeah. in this curry. It's, right. It's, this is, oh, exactly. it's locusts. It goes into this curry. Right. And I'm like, oh, wow. That's, right. that's kind of amazing. All right. We're uh, ending up the podcast. Um, and I'll end it with a uh, more or less on food podcasts because i know you have one right <laughs> this is going to be kind of a trade i well, think I more think I'm of ours with you and steve right? more of ours okay let's there we go. just say say that more of ours no i love the technology that has been developed that allows us to do podcasts because it's easy you know and we don't have to worry about having a whole lot of equipment with us we can go anywhere and just sit down and talk to people and share that and the people like you and i that have the opportunity to come across lots of very very interesting people. It's just great to be able to sit down and just have that conversation. And the, and the, for, the forum is good, right? Because the it's not the typical good. soundbite. You no, know, What are you doing in your restaurant? I'm doing this. What is the TV show about? It's about this. No, and I listen to a lot of podcasts. And so that's the, the way that I get to know other people. I just listened to this hour and a half discussion with Michael Pollan about his mm. new book. And I was like, that is such a gift to be able to actually hear a smart person interviewing another super smart person about a topic that interests me. And it's just a, it's a great, a great way to also like, just like, I have to learn. I have to continue to learn yeah, like each too. and every day. And like, you can be on the treadmill or you can be, do something else. You okay. can be in your car, right. you can travel and you can learn while you're doing all of it. You certainly can. What are, what are some of your favorite podcasts and or genres of podcasts outside well, of like the Mi- Michael Pollan and food uh, stuff? So maybe? I, I'm not a big reader because I read super slow. Right. So I love the New Yorker radio hour sure. because it gives me a chance to in little bits rather than trying to invest hours and hours and hours reading those really super long New Yorker pieces. I get a chance to listen to people talk about them or to hear a discussion with the author. Um, I like that one. I I like all the Ted stuff. I don't necessarily listen to every single one of them, but um, I really like the Ted hour because that usually focuses on two or three different uh, Ted, Ted topics and that they bring the people together and create a new idea about that um hidden brain i'm sort of going down a a path here that's mostly npr because that's kind of what i listen to but hidden brain uh is amazing i just he just gets into all kinds of sociological stuff that is really fascinating and i have to say in the restaurant business, it's a whole lot. Of, we work a lot with sociology because we're creating menus to appeal to people. And sure. we're trying to figure out how do you put it on the plate that it it appeals to them? And then what, what are the buzzwords that are going to appeal to them and all that sort of stuff? And, and, you know, as a chef, I have a very clear mission of what I want to do. But I want to package it right. And so on Hidden Brain, I get a lot of ideas. And you end up coming back to the restaurant or whatever you're doing and yeah. applying a lot of that and stuff. applying it, yeah. So mainly educational stuff, which does not yes. surprise me. Yes. Um, your podcast is called... Oh, it's uh, what is the mic podcast? It's, it's called you, the Feed. You, the Feed with uh, Steve, right? Steve Delinsky and Rick Bayless. The and feed. You're, and you're just like tackling different topics in the food yeah, world. Yeah, it, it's not. Um, it's a lot about professional stuff, right? And we also cook on the radio, as I call it, because uh, we have what we call a chef challenge every other every third podcast and another chef it may be a visiting chef in town or somebody that lives here uh we have an ingredient that we're challenged to make a dish with you have 15 minutes to cook and you only get five other ingredients and it's not really a competition in the competition sense because nobody wins right but the idea is to give our listeners the opportunity 
to hear how we might work with an artichoke and put a, a finished dish on the table in 15 minutes um, using very little and mostly it's just pantry staples that we're working with but we're talking about techniques and we're talking about flavor combinations and things like that and I want just want to encourage all of our listeners to go in the kitchen and cook nice it's very simple Nice. Well, next time I'm back in town, maybe I'll have to jump on the you, feed absolutely. With, with you and Steve. Yep. Uh, last thing we do at the end of our podcast is we ask our guests, uh, we play this game called, well, it's not a game really. It's called 86. It's 86. One thing that Rick Bayless wants to 86 oh, in the world. I know it's kind of heavy. It could be anything. It could be just from something from your personal world, the kitchen, the food world. It can be big. I will say the two most common answers. Uh, tend to go um, the current political environment and Caesar well, salad. And Those <laughs> are the two, the, the I, two most I'm common answers. I'm not going to say Caesar salad because <laughs> right. I like so to eat I. Caesar salad. Yes. So I, it's actually the best choice a lot of times when you're traveling, this I have right. to say. Because yeah, everyone so, eats it, so you know yep, it's kind of it's fresh. They're kind rotating of fresh. the lettuce. Right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Okay, I am going to say, I'm not, the, the current political climate almost goes without saying right. that we got to 86 that. I'm going to say the word authenticity. Oh, okay. Okay, because we live in an era where that word means something very different than it did for me 30 years ago, where 30 years ago it was like, oh, how many ingredients can you import from the place that that dish comes from? And can you buy the cookware that they use to make that kind of thing? And then I say it breaks apart when you try to do that kind of authentic cooking because you actually need the water to be the same water. You need the guests around the table to be from that culture. I mean, it's right. like all of that sort of stuff. So that going for that level of authenticity is always a mistake, I think. Nowadays, like my daughter's generation, she just turned 27. And what she thinks of authentic food is the stuff that tastes right. It, 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 doesn't, like somebody, it doesn't taste like somebody just made it up and threw it on a plate. But it tastes like this must have been a dish that's been around for a long time right that's when a dish is authentic to her now that may be that um she was eating something in chinatown here where the young chef had grown up on the north side of chicago with a whole lot of people from korea and so all of a sudden all these korean things are like making their way in an authentic way into his cooking because they taste just right. Right. And it's not fusion cuisine. It's just the nature of life that people borrow ingredients from other people. And especially when they grow up together and something makes sense. So it really is an authentic expression of the cook. And so I want to say that the, the word authentic or authenticity is just so fraught with so many bad connotations for people and people argue about it all the time just ban the word let's just make good food i 100 percent agree i mean authentic it's also like authenticity comes with a certain amount of like failure too i think like we're we're using the word authenticity and like it's always so polished and like authenticity is not always polished no it's not and it's usually a really positive expression of a cook that just loves the food loves the dish has mastered some parts of it so that they can put it on the table that it just makes everybody want to weep when they eat it that's authentic food to me exactly and like street culture it was always like let's keep it real it's the same thing like no you're not keeping it real um rick bayless thank you so much for hanging out with us Uh, we went over time so i appreciate that and uh it was a fun conversation it was it was really fun uh next 
time you're in LA, come into the studio, and uh, next time in Chicago, if you guys need a guest on the feed, absolutely. Let me know. Awesome. Well, we'll 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 tap you in here by the by phone one of these days too. Let's do it. That'd be fine. Okay. Awesome. Thanks so Thank much. Thank you so much. Jasmine, yeah. just, listen, what? that was a great podcast. That was. Well, we couldn't have awesome. done it uh, without our sponsors, right? So thank you so much uh, to everyone for listening. And thank you to our tremendous sponsors, Travel Portland. Visit TravelPortland.com to start planning your trip because you can in Portland. Walt Disney World. Plan your next magical adventure today. And TrueCar. Visit TrueCar for a better car buying experience. Until next week, stay hungry. Thanks for listening to Starving for Attention with Richard Blaze. Download new episodes every Tuesday on the Podcast One app, Apple Podcasts, or PodcastOne.com. Hey, if you're looking to buy a car, you're probably familiar with terms like MSRP. You might even know what it stands for, but what does it actually mean? The same goes for invoice, list price, and dealer price. It's enough to confuse anybody. All you're really looking for is a price that actually means something. Well, introducing True Price from True Car. Now you know exactly what you'll pay for the car you want, including fees and accessories before you even get to the dealership. True Car dealers will show you the true price on cars like the one you want, all from the comfort of home, maybe even your own home. And how do you know if your true price is a great price? Because True Car shows you what other people paid for that same car that you want. And your True, true Car certified dealers know this, so they set their true price competitively so they can win your business, which is smart. So when you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features are not available in all states.